You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, Doug Skeen, Michigan's five-time Big Ten champion, all-Big Ten lineman, former New England Patriot. How'd your Patriots do this weekend, Dito? I couldn't even tell you, Ballas. I've been so see, busy. Disappointing I could, again. I don't know. Did they win? Yeah, see? You I, know, know. Hey, I know the Lions won. Hey, this they guy's, won. This guy's in the, uh, in the Hall of <laughs> Honor there in, in New England, and he can't even oh. check out on his own no, team. Well, close. you should be. So, uh, amazing Shane Johnson comes up. But you know what? We're gonna, Before we even start, we're going to get to Shane Johnson's first question here. Four ninety nine, Shane, thanks, brother. Uh, always appreciate it, man. Uh, if you guys want a super chat, get to the top and get your question answered. Uh, push on the donate button down there, and we really appreciate it. So, all right, Shane, let's do this because we were just talking about this off the air. Offensive line <laughs> is just next level. You think we see more jumbo packages, assuming all healthy with eight deep? Gio and Trente, better options over walk-on number 82 in the red zone. Walk-on number two being uh, Max Bredesen, uh, actually, who's pretty good. But uh, I'll say this. Uh, I couldn't agree more, man. And I wrote this in my news notes, quotes, and observations afterwards that there is, if this is boring to people, then <laughs> sign me up, baby. Because when I see guys four or five yards a, a pop, and this reminds me, Skeen, of the 1990 Michigan Notre Dame game. Uh, you know, everybody thinks of it as, as the Desmond, not the Desmond Howard game, but the, uh, the Rocket Ishmael, actually 91. No, it was 89. I'm sorry. The 89 game, it was the Rocket Ishmael game when you kicked off twice uh, and he takes two back. But uh, they were, I think Tony Rice was a quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, or somebody, and they threw four times. And because they could run for four, four or five yards on every play, and there's nothing more excruciating than watching your team give up four or five yards. You get to third and two, you can't stop them. That's exactly what happened behind this big line. Tell Shane what you told me about number 55 there in the middle of that Michigan well, offensive line. Well, I, I was watching the game on, on, a, on a delay last night and watching it rather closely and uh, specifically watching uh, Oluwatimi in the middle. I mean, I was just I was just saying, it kid's really good. Why yeah. is he really good? There was a play down there in the goal line. Um, I scored a touchdown on it. And uh, the way he helped his center, uh, his I'm sorry, the way he helped his right guard 
with a nice little shoulder bump, but he didn't lose square in his shoulders or hips. He came up to that middle linebacker, settled his feet, got a base with his feet, locked on with his with his hands, and, and that linebacker was eaten alive. And it's just it's textbook center play out of this guy. Um, and uh, I keep saying this all year long, but Stardust was second second team All Big Ten last year. Uh, Olawatimi is clearly a step up, and that's no disrespect to Andrew from last year because he's a fine player. But this guy in the middle is the heart of this offensive line. It goes out from there. We have depth. Uh, we can run the football ballast. And you just said if it's boring, it's boring. Um, the demoralization that happens to your opponent when when you come to the line of scrimmage and they know exactly what you're going to do, and in some cases they're probably calling it out, and you do it anyway for three, five, six, seven or more yards, and then you tell a dude, yes, we just did that to you, and we're going to probably do it on the next play. So there's no surprises here. Uh, and you come up and you do it again. You just see it when you look across that line, when you we come up to the line, you walk up there, you, you glance across that front, and you see those opponents and their body language is just melting away. And it can just the, the pain and the, and the resignation of just getting their asses kicked is settling in. It may be boring to us, you know, fans watching the game, but as an old offensive lineman, it is awesome because I Great. know, although you can't see the faces in those helmets, you know, yeah. from the sideline view, it absolutely crushes the spirit of people. It's yeah. awesome. And the fan bases too. And Shane, what about Shane's question here about going jumbo? I'll say this. I like the wrinkles in the in the red zone. I don't care that it took him four times to get into the end zone uh, against Rutgers. You know what? I, I agreed with the strategy because for about two or three weeks, they get down to the two or the three, and then the first down play, they're losing three yards. And then you're like, all right, now your yeah. back's against the wall. I'm liking go forward. I don't give a damn if you're scoring on fourth down here. But uh, to his point, you've got now you've got so many options. I didn't think Carson Barnhart had his best game yesterday at right tackle. I think Trente Jones is uh, is pretty good there. And uh, how about bringing in, in another guy down there at the red zone and just going jumbo? Well, clearly it, it, Michigan has the depth. So you've got if you've got guys that can get after it out of a three point stance, put them on the field. Um, and to your point, yesterday was not without its areas for improvement. Mm-hmm. Barnhart gave up a bad sack because he bent his waist and his head went down and his feet stopped. And then we had Honingford on a, on a play where we, first and 10, Joel Honingford comes down and absolutely whiffs on a down block and a defensive lineman. And we got a tackle for loss for three yards. So if that's going to happen, then, you know, maybe some other guys need some chances out there. I saw that Trente came back in the game late and on his first snap out of the right tackle position, you know, he gets a nice hook on a guy, gets that right hand up, gets him turned uh, to the inside. The ball goes outside. Really nice block by Trente there again. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, put an, put an extra guy out there, get your best blockers down on there. You need him inside the 10-yard line and grind him in there. And if that's the answer, I'm all for it. I, and I don't I answer Shane's question. Yeah, I could absolutely see a same more of that. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I like the play when they ran straight with McCarthy, the straight quarterback run. Okay, this kid's fast, number one. Number two, you've got a running back in there in Blake Corum. Uh, yeah, Skeen looks like he could drive <laughs> blockers. I asked Skeen, Mike, I asked Skeen, I said, if they could put you out there for one or one or two blocks, could you still do it at, what, 52 years old? He said, I'd, yeah. probably, be good. I'd probably be good for one, he said. <laughs> then, I might uh, be good for one. You know, the, the problem, the problem no here, Mike, the problem, Mike, is that my hamstrings would probably rip in half on the first. 
you know, I'd probably be all right for a down lineman, but if I tried to go up to a second level and get after a linebacker, I don't know if I'd make it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, yeah, you look everywhere we go, like if we go golfing or something like that, everybody's looking at him. That guy looks like a former football player. And then, <laughs> you know, and I was like, hey, isn't that Doug Skeen, the uh, Hall yeah. of Honor guy from the New England Patriots? And no, then he turns no, all no. red. So. No, there's no hey, Hall of Honor, no. There is not, but I'll tell you what, you're a damn good lineman. And uh, he would have had a longer career, folks, if Chester McLaughlin hadn't fallen on his knee. I will say that all the time. So. Well, you know, I, I was sitting on my wife, Tracy, and I were watching the game last night, Ballas, like I was talking about earlier. And uh, it just so happened that, you know, she had a couple questions because I made a comment. I'm like, oh, watch the block on a three technique right here. And she goes, yeah, what's, what exactly is a three technique? So we spent 15 minutes breaking down the defensive lineman numbering system. And then we broke down two or three plays in a row. So, and I just told her, I said, you know, it's kind of fun because of my experiences that I can explain this to people is what I see, because it's really not that complicated. There's only so many hats and so many guys out there. Which angle is you going to take? It's like uh, uh, um, I used to be told by one of the Dufek brothers when I was at Michigan, he'd always say, hey, Skeen, just remember, it's not that complicated. Right, left, straight, or head. That's it. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I yeah, yeah. Do you know how hot that is, though, that she asked you that? No wonder Craig, <laughs> no wonder Craig Wada is so infatuated with her. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, keep your eye on her, man, because she's a keeper. <laughs> so, uh, But I wanted to talk. Blake Corum is an honorary offensive lineman after that uh, pancake block, and I asked him about that in the post game. And uh, at some point, we're going to get here where we can uh, we get Hutch in here to play some of these uh, clips that uh, of these guys talking, because you should have seen his face light up. And the last thing he said was, I'm getting a tear here. I put that big boy on his butt and he did. <laughs> Tell us what happened on that play. First of all, I love the first down red zone play. We'll talk about the Ronnie Bell touchdown too here in a second, but yeah. mixing it up a little bit. And uh, a couple guys, at least one guy misses assignment on that. And Blake Corum had to clean up the, the mess. Well, it wasn't a missed assignment. It was okay. a bad technique. So okay. go back and watch the, watch the end zone copy of the play. The entire Michigan offensive line from left tackle all the way over to the backside tight end immediately takes a wide zone step to their left. And they're all trying to hook block that whole defensive front. And over here on the left, we got our young tight end there, uh, Lovewell, who's, who's signed. Love him, sorry. is supposed to come down and he's supposed to gap or down block that defensive end. And he kind of misses his target. He doesn't get to the near number with his face. He kind of gets high and backside. And that defensive lineman throws him off, twists, twists our blocker, Loveland, to the inside, and he escapes. That's the guy that Corum ends up cleaning up. On that play, and I went back and looked. I'm like, who is Corum lead blocking for here? Who's he looking for? And I told, again, because sitting there with my wife, we're, we're breaking down the X's and O's. And I said, oh, he's the plumber. He's the, he's the plumber on this place. He's like, well, what do you mean? Well, who's the plumber? I said, you know what, plumber? The plumber. They just fix stuff. That's what plumbers do. So this is, so, so, this is why so, Hutch. This is why Hutch is the best in the business. So, <laughs> all right, go ahead and play and play this for us. Are you seriously going to play this? Watch. Everybody listen to this. When I knock him down, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I think it was a great block. Right there. Yes. And you know what? Cor so Corum. But you know, I, I knocked that big boy on his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Hutch, man, you're a stud. That's unbelievable. You just, I got to tell you, we're going to get about at least a thousand more views from this just because if we can do stuff like that, that was fantastic, man. That was but, great. So, yeah, at, so the beautiful thing about that is, is Corum, his stature naturally puts him at a geometric advantage ballast right. because he's lower than that guy. And all he did was get that head down and that shoulder down and he popped him. Now he knocked him down. 
in the old school world of uh, of Michigan offensive line play, Corum gets credit for a knockdown on that block. Yes, and now if if Corum could have watched locked on and then driven him down into the ground and did the old belt buckle rub in the face, now we're talking clean pancake ballast, and that would have been off the charts. But I would say Corum did pretty good there. <laughs> yeah, you know what they call that today? They call it teabagging, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can say that, you know, but uh, that's I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, Hutch. But uh, <laughs> but that's what the, that's what the kids call it these days, and uh, yeah. it is humiliation. And it is I got this kid was fantastic, man. Yeah, Mike, thank you. I am going to uh, be doing a Manscaped live read tonight as well, so be prepared for that. Can't and, uh, wait. Maybe, this is it's one of the highlights of this uh, this podcast. It is, this, and maybe and maybe we'll mention some more teabagging here. But any regardless, that was a heck of a block, and uh, loved his outfit, man. He looked like uh, you know here come the mummies right look like one of the, the oh, here come the yeah, mummies guys yeah, and, uh, yeah absolutely yeah but uh fantastic talking. i you know what i love this kid though and i asked him i also asked him i said uh you know somebody asked him can you can you do this man he 28 more carries he wasn't supposed to carry that much this game but donovan edwards got hurt we'll talk about that in a minute folks and and they said can you do two more games and he said man come on he said i could do it a whole nother season and as a as an offensive lineman that's the kind of guy you want to block for right i mean that's special that's absolutely it is. So, so when your running back grinds the way he does, it feeds off each other. So that whole offensive line unit up front, including the tight ends, when you got a guy or guys like Edwards and Corum back there that grind the yards, especially the ones after contact. How many times, Ballas, do we see Corum lower the shoulder and then when he has contact, his feet accelerate? Yes. They start chopping the ground even harder. And then you see a couple blue shirts or white shirts for on the road come in and jump on the pile and just smash that whole thing forward. I guarantee you those offensive line love that guy for that for that effort. And they reward him and it goes back and forth and back and forth. And this is why it's so much fun to watch. And they're moving piles. They aren't waiting. These offensive linemen are not waiting. They are if they see him and he's got one guy there and he's still moving a little bit forward. Guess what? They're all flocking to the pile and you're they're pushing for an extra three four yards. Wisconsin did that extremely well against Michigan a couple of times. I'm starting to see this Michigan line take that step and uh, got to give credit to Sharon Moore, right? I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. done one heck of a job. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, last night it was again watching the film. My wife says, "Who who coaches this offensive line now?" And I told her the story. I said, uh, "Coach Moore." And she's like, well, how long has he been coaching the offensive line? I said, this is only his second year. And this is only his second year actually coaching the offensive line. I said, I was a guy who wondered about that decision when Harbaugh pulled the ripcord on Ed Warner and uh, and moved moved Coach Sharon over. And uh, absolutely hats off. Coach Moore has done an outstanding job with this offensive line group. They've responded, and they're getting better, and they're getting better. And you got depth in there now, and and so – outstanding job that coach is a guy that's on the rise for sure i said and i've been quoted as saying this is the best run blocking offensive line i've seen since yours uh, in the early 90s now there were some good ones okay then the, the 1997 yeah. to 2000 but Oof. you know even 98 those guys weren't weren't really moving people the way that these guys are the interior line and i think a lot of it is oluwatimi but i saw a clip of and maybe hutch can find this one too if you can i'm buying him a case of beer but of uh Zach Zinter against Penn State, and unfortunately that's Hutch's team too. But okay, he finds one guy, one lineman, boom, puts it on his butt. Finds another guy, boom, puts him on his butt. He's got two knockdowns on one play. That's got to be good for two or three helmet stickers there. But this interior line, the way these guys are playing together, and Trevor Keegan didn't even play. Yeah. Uh, you got El Hadi in there who plays with an edge too. These guys play with an edge scheme, the edge that you always say you're looking for. I just love to hit people, is what El Hadi said after the game. I love that kid. 
Yeah, yeah. So they're all they all this is this is what happens as you get through a season and you're steamrolling the confidence and you're wearing people out. Both of your backs or one of your backs is well up over 150 yards per week. It's a lot of fun, Ballas, having been there and done that. I can tell you it's a lot of fun because you're just demoralizing people right out of the gate. Yeah. But it going back to what you said earlier, it all starts in the center with Oluwatimi in the middle there. His technique is so clean from down lineman to second-level linebacker blocking technique is really, really outstanding. And then, of course, in the pass protection as well. So, But as we as we talked about before we came on air here, it's, it's not without areas for improvement as well. Barnhart gave up the sack over there with just a tiny little difference there, Ballas. That one play went back and I watched it. And he's, he's clean, he's clean. And then when you see a lineman drop their head and they bend at the waist and their head goes down, you know it's over. You just yeah. know it's so hard to recover from that. And that guy got on his edge and, and the rest was history there. But that's the thing that he'll clean that up and it's going to have to get better and better as these opponents get tougher here as we get toward the end of the season. But uh, this is an offensive line that is outstanding. And their performance week after week, they're having fun. We're having fun watching them, and they just keep getting better. And you can see they're having a good time doing it together. And then you know, when you got a guy like uh, uh, Keegan at left guard who's hurt, Al Hadi comes in, plays uh, plays to the expectations of the position. There's no drop off. Quorum keeps on gashing for 165 yards or whatever the kid had. It's just it's just great to watch. That's the thing. This is like the seventh different combination that have started this year uh, because of the injuries and, and people bang, being banged up. And again, I went back to the 1990s when you guys, somebody would go down, boom, Doug Skeen comes in. And the ball, everything's still working perfectly. And yeah. it's like it's like you don't miss a beat. And it was a cliche. And I used to think, you know what, the expectation is for the position. You know what? But you have to meet that standard if you're going to win championships. Well, Your backups have to be ready and they have to play well. And they yeah, are. so it's, I mean, imagine this, right? Let's just put it into these terms. Well, one of our left guard, Keegan's out. Do you, th- do you think the other 10 guys in that huddle look over at El Hadi and go, oh, well, he's the backup, so I guess we're not going to be able to do these 10 different things? No. no. Everybody looks at him and says, let's go, man. And he looks at all of them and says, I'm ready. Here we go. There's no drop-off. There's no change. The coaching staff doesn't say anything about, oh, well, we got to take this whole chapter of the playbook out because our left guard is you know, the backup mm-hmm. guy in there. It's 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 It can't be a drop-off, Ballas. And you and I have been watching and doing this for a while now remember when there were limitations to this offensive line because they couldn't move they weren't in shape they had bad schemes they didn't know where the help was from and we talked about that for gosh a good five six seven eight nine years it was a mess it's so gratifying to see this is what it's supposed to look like yeah and it's looking great it's a gift and speaking of gifts uh this holiday season i'm giving thanks to our friends at manscaped do i tell my extended family that i have the performance package 4.0 from the global leaders and below the waist grooming not to mention it includes their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer to tame my bush and score brownie points with the in-laws uh give yourself manscaped or the man in your life for the man in your life who needs it join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped with 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code 20 go blue uh by going to manscaped.com again that's 20 go blue um think your holiday spread is good it's time to give thanks to the manscaped performance package 4.0 or as i like to call it the perfect package for your package Mm -hmm. so um you know what inside you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer which by the way i love i hate to say it as an older guy uh, it's been fantastic it's the best one i've ever i've ever used uh crop preserver preserver ball deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies think of it as a cornucopia 
for your balls. So there you have it. 20 gold blue at manscaped.com. Skeen will be sending you another one for Christmas. I'm sure that Tracy will appreciate that as well. So, um, all right, let's real talk real quick. You were talking about how guys were not getting to linebackers on Saturday, though. And uh, there's a reason. Okay, Blake Corum still gets his 162 yards, but he did not have a yard, uh, a run over 12 yards. And there's a reason for that. Well, I noticed, I noticed about a th- two-thirds of the way into that football game, there were several snaps where we're running our base offense, we're pulling an A lineman or multiple linemen, tight end action in there as well. But it looked and felt felt like, after going back and watching them multiple times, we weren't getting to the backside linebacker clean. There were two or three snaps in that second half where we've got a massive uh, uh, positive action on the front side of this play, and here comes the backside linebacker untouched, and he's standing there, and he hits Corum now, Corum, being the strong guy that he is, drags him for another three or four yards extra after contact. But we've got to clean that up somehow. And I went back, and there's a couple plays where somebody went missed assignment because we got two guys blocking one. There was one specific play where the front side linebacker came up in the hole, and and the first pulling lineman, which I believe was Zinter, he went up inside the tight end to meet him, and had he just logged that end, if he just logged that thing and let Corum bounce outside, that thing would have gone for 30, 40 yards. Um, but, you know, I digress. The, the the play is what it is. But on that particular play, again, we didn't get to the backside linebacker. And he came up there and we had a, we had a gain of like three or four yards, which is good. Mm-hmm. But it's not as good as it could be. So I think those are the kind of things that you're going to see Michigan work on this week. I'm sure Coach Moore will identify those things. we got to get to those backside linebackers because in a couple weeks from now, you're, you're dang right. You're going to need to get to all of them and block these guys. Uh, if we're going to have the kind of success we're going to have to have down there, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. So it wasn't perfect, right? Ballas. It was very, very good. Once again, you can see the rushing stats in there. 264 yards rushing is off the charts. Good. You're going to win a ton of football games by doing that. Um, but in the, in the, in the interest of chasing perfection of offensive line play, there's always something to work on. And uh, we've identified that backside linebacker blocking, and at least uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, there was a few that we missed. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, we'll talk about the passing game in a second. But uh, I do want to talk about C.J. Stokes. I thought he ran hard. This yeah. kid. Uh, now there were some huge holes there at the end. Those guys were those guys were huffing and puffing on that defensive line. And, Dallas, yeah, you know what time it was? It was chicken sandwich time, man. So, and this segment brought to you by Chick Fil A and Mr. Spots, Mr. Spots with the chicken hoagie. But uh, I'll say this. Um, they were they were exhausted, and you could see it really in, after the first quarter. And we were talking to some Nebraska fans and some Nebraska writers, and they said, "Man, you know the Michigan linemen were just sitting there looking like they were getting ready to just pounce on the next play, and these guys are huffing and puffing, and you could just see them demoralizing." But CJ Stokes at the end of that game, I like this kid. I think he's got a future. Yeah, he came in there and had a couple of nice bursts. Again, yes, uh, on the left side of that offensive line, boy, a couple yeah. of massive holes in there for him to find that space and take advantage yeah. of it. It's exciting to see young guys get in there ballast because they're going through all the drills during the week behind quorum and edwards stokes and all the other guys they're out there working their tails off they're doing every rep in the weight room they're doing all the runs and so when they can get in there and pop a big run it makes everybody excited because everybody knows how hard they've worked to get that chance yeah i like you know what the the all blues have grown on me your thoughts 
Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that last night. Yeah. I was watching it, and I noticed that Michigan now puts a puts a, a midweek, uh, you know, um, social media alert out there what the what the uniform is going to look like Saturday. And I and I thought to myself, well, whatever happened to the simple uniform? But it doesn't bother me, you know. It, no. it it it's it's you know I I'm old school classic. I thought me you too. know wouldn't it be kind of cool for this last home game if we saw the blue jerseys with the yellow pants, the white socks, and black shoes? Yeah, old school, right? Well, I think we'll see that against Illinois next week. So that's the last home game. So, yeah. um, and they knew, but yeah, this is growing on me. If they come out with the, uh, you know what, the yellow jerseys and the blue pants, forget that. No, you don't do that. Don't mess with the jerseys. No, so. no, no, no. The blue shirts, it's always got to be a blue shirt at home, right? Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. Should, we ta- should we take a prediction of what they're going to wear in Columbus, Ballas? Yeah, and I don't care. I really don't. <laughs> Hopefully, Blue it's pants, just white shirt. I, don't I think it'll be all whites. And uh, you know what? Go in there and wear pink as long as you win and dominate the line of scrimmage. That's all <laughs> I care about. So, all right, what the hell's going on with the passing game here? This is really disappointing at this point. I don't, I don't see guys gaining separation. Uh, I don't see guys making the tough catches. There was a ball, and on first glance, and I said this, you know what? It looked like Cornelius Johnson. It looked like he overthrew him, but he kind of stumbles out of his break. He doesn't find the ball until the last second, throws his hands up. He's got to start finding the ball earlier and tracking it a little bit better. He's a senior now. Uh, I'm not coming down on him. It seems like I talk about him a little bit every week, but you know what? If you want your quarterback to get comfortable, you got to make some of these catches. Even Ronnie Bell had another drop. It wasn't a great pass, but uh, these guys have got to really help. Number one, they've got to get separation on their routes. Number two, they got to catch the ball or just throw it in. Is it safe to say, Ballas, that the wide receiver group is the weakest link of this Michigan offense? It seems like it, especially with the tight ends banged up like they are. Yeah, yeah, and it stinks. I know yeah. it, it. It it's kind of a it's kind of a downer. But this yeah. is could this be the Achilles heel of the Michigan offense? Because if if we play a defense that's talented enough to take care of the box without having to to commit secondary defenders back there, um, we may be having some trouble. Uh, moving the football if we can't get separation and get some first downs through the air um, we've got to get our tight end we got to get Schoonmaker back in there and get him healthy mm-hmm. here in the next couple of weeks so um, again we kind of been talking about this I related it back to you know why we were struggling in the red zone because we don't have a big strong feature receiver or a guy that can go up high and, and high point and rebound a football with any regular with any regularity it seems and so we kind of talked about this all year long the Michigan receiving core is good. I don't know that I would call that call them great. They're not. They're certainly not game breakers. I don't know that we've. You know, what's the longest pass that that JJ has connected all, on all year? And that was a criticism last year of Cade mm-hmm. in there. Well, we can't connect on the long ball. Well, we haven't really done that this year either. No. Nope. Um, and we've tried, and so it just kind of kept on missing. And then we went to uh, Anthony a few times over the last few weeks on the deep ball, and and can't make the connection. And I think uh, that could be- come back and hurt us at some point. But. Um, it ain't for effort, right? It's I mean, these guys are all trying their butts off, but they're just not getting to where they need to be with any consistency to be a big passing threat. But again, this all mm-hmm. comes with uh, with a little note at the end that when you can run the football like we do and have, you don't need to press. No. And you don't need to continually, you know, demand that you have some dynamic passing game when you're when you're, you know, writing off 160, 250 yards a week. Yeah. You don't, you just don't. So 
I, I don't think that's why I'm I'm not freaking out about it, but I do think it's an area for improvement for sure. Yeah, and when these guys are getting two hands on the ball, it, it, it is much too easy for defensive backs to knock it out of their hands. You know, we've seen that a few times this year. So, uh, yeah, they did make – still Ray, they made a conservative effort. In fact, on one possession, they went three passes, three and out. Can they workshop some more creativity versus U of I? I don't know, but they did try it, and when it didn't work, guess what they did? They went right back to the running game because they knew yeah. that Blake Corum was going to be the guy now donovan edwards i think is going to be questionable for next week uh just so people know so i think you might see a healthy dose of blake quorum again um pass you know they should be so much better in play action scheme because the running game is so good that's what blows my mind here it's almost like and it almost seems like they're sitting on some of their routes doesn't it yeah well when they run so so the play action the 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 lion's share of the play action this year has been to our tight ends right through schoolmaker all year long that guy's got a bunch of catches for a bunch of yards and a lot of them first downs and roman wilson had a hot september he's kind of cooled off and in Mm -hmm. the big picture of things and we try to get uh, anthony involved in this thing he can't seem to get the ball or get the connection on the on the route there. He has yet to have the big big plays. Plural. He's had some, but not enough that you know it'd be. I think anybody would point to and say, "Look, he's our guy on the edge." And so, and Cornelius Johnson, you know, out there on the edge is you know put the ball on the ground a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know what's what's the percentage, right? I don't know what the stat is. What's the percentage of of us winning on the contested catch? Not very and, good. I don't yep. know that it's very good either. And that's no. where, you know, the great wide receiving groups separate themselves from the good ones. Yeah. And passes that have gone 20 yards in the air. I think Cade McNamara was 39% last year. I think it's less than 30 this year with JJ McCarthy, which is crazy. Uh, he's, you know, he throws a better, he throws a harder ball, a better ball. He has not, he's been too deep on some of them. Again, his receivers haven't done him any favors on some yeah. other ones. But uh, it's just not connecting, and I think it will. Um, here's Brian. Time to bench Cornelius. You know he's a good blocker, Brian. And here's the thing I'll say is that every week we say this is going to be the week that Andrew Anthony shows something to take his snaps, and I don't see it. He comes in there, and he doesn't get the separation either. Um you know, how does, uh, but I, quite honestly, Ballas, how does Andrew block? I haven't watched. I think him. he blocks well, but Cornelius yeah. Johnson's doing a hell of a job in there too. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? If you're and if you're going to run and you you're going to bust some of those plays on the perimeter, you want your receivers. Obviously, those they're going to be the ones to spring it. So, and he's done a yeah. good job there. And so is Ronnie Bell. We can rip on you guys can rip on Ronnie Bell all they want to, and yeah, he is kind of what he is, right? Uh, I think he still has another gear, and I think he's a pro. I really do. But again, he's like the third best receiver on you know some of the better receiving cores in Michigan in the last 30 years of Michigan. And that's not, again, not a knock on him because some of those guys were outstanding, but JJ needs to be better too. I don't think there's any question about it. There, uh, there are times that he, he misses guys. He's, he's, uh, you know, eight for 17, probably two drops, right? So, well, in in a, in a couple of these recent games, Ballas, uh, he's been absolutely destroyed after delivering the football. The arm is down. He's getting, He's been getting hit, and that I, I keep saying it every week. For years, we've been doing this. That can't happen. No. That absolutely rattles your quarterback. When he, he needs that extra half second or second to stand in there and deliver a deeper ball, he needs to know that after he completes the arm motion to throw the football, he's not going to get his head taken off. Right. And that's where those late hits on, the, on, that, on that quarterback from your offensive line, they can't happen. you got to keep him clean. Yep. I like Tyler Morris. I think he's going to be good. We saw him late. We had heard that they were, you know, 
some of these guys were read the riot act and saying, Hey, if you guys want to complain about your snaps, you know what, catch the damn ball when it's thrown to you, you know, and we expected <laughs> to see some of the, some of the younger guys in there. We didn't see that. Uh, Ronnie bell again, dropping the ball at the goal line. Boy, I thought they were going to take that touchdown away to me. That ball looked like it was on the back line. So from the angle, the only angle that we had, you know, yeah. uh, it, it, it's there wasn't enough video evidence to overturn it, but it certainly looked thing. like it. And uh, yeah, yeah, the ball security. Come is, on, man, uh, protect yeah. that ball, Ronnie. You're, you're this is your fifth year, buddy. So, yeah. but 72 yards. Yeah, uh, you know what they are, what they are at this point. So uh, we'll see if some of these younger guys continue to progress. But yeah, they have not lived up to expectations. So Adam Shepherdson, I said I saw put something up there as well. Well, uh, well, we'll get back to your question here in just a second. So uh, I do want to talk now about uh, Mason Graham because I watched this kid closely when he was in there on defense. And, and I said it, you know what, we're not prone to hyperbole when it comes to young guys. At times we are maybe. You know, Darius Clemens was compared to Anthony Carter and the kid, you know, is sixth, the sixth on the depth chart at wide receiver. But uh, Mason Graham, when he came in and, and in that first spring game that I saw him, I said, this kid, not only is he not out of place as a true freshman defensive tackle, this kid is going to be a stud. He was getting off blocks. He was holding his own against Olu Oluwatimi. Uh, and then right as I'm writing my note, this kid goes in there and gets a sack. He had a swim move. He can. He uses his hands as well as any de- freshman defensive lineman I've seen. Uh, your thoughts on what you've seen from this kid? I'm I'm amazed. Well, you just nailed it there, right there at the end when you said his hands. And and yeah. if, you, if you go back and you watch his hand placement on an opposing offensive lineman, not only does he get in the right spot, but he does it with the leverage, right? So it's one thing if I if I were to get into you in your armpit area on the front part of your shoulder pads, which is where everybody wants to be. Mm-hmm. If I get my hand in, you, in there on you, but I'm a little high. I don't have the physical leverage. He likes to drop the shoulder and get the hand. And so when he explodes his hips and it goes to do that bench press and extend that arm, he's lifting dudes up that are 20, 30, 40 pounds, bigger, heavier than them, longer than him. So he's really, you know, with his wrestling background, I mean, the kid's taking advantage of everything in there and he's making an impact in the middle of that defensive line, which complements Mozzie in the middle. When those two are in the middle, that's a problem for a center and two guards to figure out how to block those two and try to get to a linebacker. And so outstanding year. And and the scary thing about this guy, uh, this Graham guy here, Ballas is that he is just a freshman. He's not had the big physical development that he's going to have in a couple of years of a strength and conditioning program. You watch what this kid looks like next year, physically, yeah. and what he's going to be able to be able to do. It's pretty exciting to think about. It is. Uh, and they're going to be good for several years and they got to figure out the NIL and the recruiting and everything else. And, uh, and I think they will, but there is a lot of talent, good young talent on this team. Lamar Sanders. Good question. How is Mike Morris? Mike Morris did tell one of my guys in the locker room, he said, I'm going to be okay. You know, I think he was going in there to get uh, my problem. Lamar was, what are you doing in the game with six minutes to go up 28 points? And I understand that you want to preserve your, your, your big lead and your stats and all that stuff. But at that point, Mike Morris should not have been in the game. And that's something that I would like to see uh, a little bit more substitution there at the end of games, especially when these guys have played so much football already this year. So, but he did tell somebody that he was going to be okay. We saw him limping up the tunnel. So I think if it were something more serious than that, then you know, like a maybe a hamstring and hamstrings can be nagging or like an ankle or something like that, um, then we would know about it. So people are going to ask us about uh, 
Donovan Edwards as well. Uh, we'd heard that he had an x-ray at halftime. It looked like a hand injury to me. So uh, Jim Harbaugh, when I asked him about it specifically, said, I am not ready to talk about that at this point. So I don't think we'll get an update on him. I do not expect him to play against Illinois. You're going to see him. You're going to see them sit out as many guys as they can until Ohio State, if they can get away with it. And it certainly looks like they can now because Illinois, man, uh, boy, they've gone down the crap here the last few weeks. And on top of that, it looks like they lost Chase Brown, Doug. I don't know if you saw that at the end of the game. Uh, he could not walk off the field. So oh if they were out there, it stinks because yeah. you're you're sitting there thinking, okay, this could be a top 25 matchup against great running backs. So that is an overmatched football to me. I'll say it. Illinois is kind of what we thought they were at the beginning of the season. Well, I think they're still dangerous, pal. As that team is a program that's in transition toward the upward trend, right? And so uh, I think this is this could be a game. Yeah, they've lost. They've, they're on a bit of a losing mess here, but uh, everybody's going to be peeking over that weekly schedule into the Ohio State week, and um, that would be a mistake for Michigan to do that. Um, going back to the Morris injury, uh, what it looked like to me is he got the old leg whip, right? Two defensive linemen converge yes. to the backside. It looks like he took a shot to the right knee. And uh, although I didn't see, you know, of course, I'm not a doctor. I can't look at this stuff. But having been through a knee injury myself, it looked like it might just be a sprain kind of thing. Hopefully we'll see him in a, in a brace come Ohio State week, and he probably won't play against Illinois. I don't know that we need him against Illinois. But you can't overlook anybody, Ballas, especially when you're so close to where you right where, right where you want to be. So I think the, the Illinois game, you know, I think Michigan's going to win that game. But uh, to just assume that it's going to be a cakewalk, I think, is a mistake. Yeah, probably. And you know what? I talked to Jamie Morris on his show last week, and he said, he said, okay, and I brought up Minnesota in 1986. Michigan's undefeated. They weren't perfect, but they were undefeated. And Bo Schembechler, he said, we did a lot more for Ohio State that week, that Minnesota week, that on Saturday, they're going into that game, and Bo says, guys, I don't think we're prepared for this one. I don't know if I prepared you well enough for this one. Now, he'd said that before, before like Northwestern games, and they won 69 to nothing. But sure enough, Ricky Foggy goes out and gets them and beats them. You get the guarantee game with Jim Harbaugh. So I think you're absolutely right about that. Number one, you got to still match the intensity. But this defense is so good, Skeen, that – by the way, you're sounding like Darth Vader. Can you pull that thing away from here? Sorry. There you go. That's okay. Uh, but but um, they are – this defense is so good that I think that they can – I, I'm not going to say they can get away with it, but boy, these guys are playing good football. Well, there's no question about that. And what the what was the rushing stat that to Nebraska had? And ridiculous, was, you know, ridiculously, they couldn't. You know, you, you see an offensive line. I, of course, I watch a lot of it and watching the Nebraska offensive line against our defensive front. There's just no room. There's you know, you got a little bit of maybe a yard or two. And then between our defensive line and linebackers, there's no space. These guys yeah. can't get anything going, and they're not falling forward for an extra two or three yards. They're not even falling forward for two yards. And so it, credit to the Michigan defensive line. And the one thing that's great about it, Ballas, the constant rotations, right? This goes back to last year's defense that was installed by McDonald. Now continuing on this year, you see a constant rotation of guys. They're hustling on and off the field. It looks like they're all in physically good shape at this point in the season. They're playing enthusiastic football, and they're, they're you know, they're dropping stats like, you know, they should be. And so uh, linebackers running free, making plays. Those are the kinds of things you've got to see. The only the only difference is, I think, as we wind this season down here in these last couple of weeks, with the injury to Morris, I think pass rush is always a premium. And so we got to continue to find a way to rattle opposing quarterbacks. And it doesn't have to be a tackle for loss or sack, but you got to get to them and you got to hit them. They have to know you're there, just like we talked about earlier with JJ. If a quarterback knows you're around, 
and you're going to possibly drill him even after delivering the football, in my mind, that can have just as big of an impact as a sack. And I thought they did that, and you know what, they flushed him out of the pocket, and there were too many times that there was too much room in the middle of the field, frankly, and that's how they got a, a big chunk of their rushing yardage. Anthony Grant, I think, had 28 yards on 14 carries, their running back, but Chubba Purdy, all-name team, here uh and i think logan smothers was the other guy one guy one, the fat boys and the a simpsons character is how we were portraying it up in the press box but this guy would get out of there and uh you've got to have at least somebody's got to be there right you it's about rush lanes right and when you talk about you, you can't take what is it you can't go around i mean you've got to maintain your, your rush lane so that these guys can't get out of there yeah, they're in, in defensive linemen work on that a lot. They're given a space that they're allowed to work in, assuming there's no twist or blitz game going on. You have an area that you're responsible for. You're not allowed to go too wide as a defensive end. You obviously have contain. Nothing gets outside of you. And yet you can't go so far that so you're leaving you know space underneath. And then if you're good enough, every once in a while, you do like we've seen the Michigan players do this year, and we saw Hutch do it a ton last year. You bait that guy wide, you bait him wide, you bait him wide, you get that tackle setting on an extra step or two in his pass set, you make the underneath move and you set that thing up. Um, those are the things that uh, obviously have a big impact and make offensive linemen start wondering, oh, crap, he's going to go outside or inside. Because if I'm an offensive tackle and I look out here as you know, left tackle and I see a defensive end out here and there's nothing to the outside, I know he's got contain. This guy, by rule, should not be taking an inside go on me. So every once in a while you, you do that, it, it freaks guys out. So, yeah. but the Michigan defensive line, again, all year has been doing a nice job all year long. You know, we sit there and we, and I don't know that, that, that in any one game, Ballas, I sat there, I sat back and went, boy, we sure do miss Hutch and Ajabo. Right. Uh, these guys have done a nice job making us kind of forget about those dudes in this, in this season. Yeah, and we'll see what happens when they get to Ohio State. They're going to have to do bring it even even more. Uh, you it's know, critical. What to, it is. Yep, and uh, they are going to need some outside pass rush a little bit better. Mike Morris are starting to chip them with a tight end or, or a running back at times. So Yabioki's kind of disappeared here, and they're going to need a little bit more from him, in my opinion, here down the stretch. Uh, let me ask you this, because I, you know, Jim Harbaugh when he talks about adjustments and things like that and wrinkles, it's not always the obvious, right? It's not like, hey, all of a sudden you're seeing, you know a throwback pass or something like that. We still haven't seen the screen, but what are you seeing? Are you seeing any wrinkles in the run game where they're doing something different? Uh, there were a couple, I mean, to me, it seemed like uh, business as usual when they yeah, lined up. Yeah, absolutely. Same yeah. It's the same set. It's the same schematic design. You're down blocking one side. You're pulling a lineman or two or a combination of tight end over there to block the end of line, the opposite color end of line, or the front side linebacker, or both, depending on if you're bringing two guys, normally what they do is you, you block down on the front side, tackle tight end guard uh, to take the, you know, the three technique down lineman or nose guard to backside linebacker. The first pulling lineman has the defensive end to kick him out, create a gap on the edge. And then the next guy's got that front side linebacker. It's old power football is all yeah. it is. The, the, the curve ball to the whole thing, Ballas, is the zone. Right. And we saw, we saw, you know, the touchdown that uh, JJ scored on. That was a wide zone play with a down block on the front side. That wasn't the cleanest, and that's why Quorum uh -huh. cleaned that thing up at the end. That is the curveball to what Michigan's done. There is nothing dramatically new that I've noticed at all. So, if you do want to change it up in the run game for an Ohio State, what do you do? Uh, if you're doing something different in the running game that you haven't shown all year, without getting too, you know, too, you don't want to get it. Not, there, no, there, not I don't. 
I don't know that there is ballots. Okay. I mean, this is what Michigan's made a living on. I don't think you go into Ohio State saying, hey, it's Ohio State, so let's try to do something that we're not. Mm-hmm. I think you line up, just like I was talking about earlier, you go into you go into the horseshoe and you look across that, that defensive front and you say, yeah, we're here. I'm going to take this gap step with my left foot. I'm going to block your hip on the way to that backside linebacker. I'm going to whip your ass and I'm going to do it again. I don't yeah. think you need to reinvent anything. Now, the only variations would be what do you play action off of those dominant run plays. That's all right. I can think of. Yeah, and they've got to start. They've got to start <laughs> taking advantage of that. They got to do better uh, getting these guys open and scheming these guys open. And maybe we'll see some different routes and things like that. But it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of respect for the Michigan receivers, guys. They were playing them tight. Uh, you know what? Challenging them to get off them, get behind them, get off the line. So these guys have got to start making some more plays. And of course, you miss Luke Schoonmaker in there. There's no question about it. Colston Ludlum's going to be very good. Uh, Max Bredesen's okay. You know, Eric All's not out there right now. So, uh, but you got to get him back and he's got a shoulder i think it is and i think believe somebody saw him in a sling so we'll see if he comes back next week too it sounds by the way guys it sounds like keegan may well be back for illinois which would be good news too so uh, they're gonna need him for ohio state so your thoughts on the rest of the big 10 man boy there aren't uh, maryland gets shut out again it's amazing because each time it seems like one of these teams is set to step up then they just crap the bed. You look at right. Illinois. Illinois, yeah. all they had to do was win and beat Northwestern, and they win that that division. The West is terrible. Yeah, it, I think the Big Ten is exactly who we think they are, right? So they'll coach uh, the NFL coach there, Dennis. <laughs> what was Dennis's last Dennis name? Dennis Green. Dennis Green. We are. We yep. kind of Ohio State and Michigan are the top two. Then you have Penn State, Michigan mm-hmm. State. Obviously, you know, credit to Michigan State after the debacle in Ann Arbor getting beat They've, they're finding a way to win to try to get to a bowl game so they're showing a little bit of life um but the rest of the league is like eh you know is it who's who's out there that's impressive that the west just when you think someone's making a move they're not everybody's forgotten about who was probably supposed to contend over there right uh, roll the boat guy you know lost a game or two they probably yeah. shouldn't have purdue if you if you fall asleep on them they'll they'll sneak up and beat you but there's no one in the west that makes anybody have any interest so whether it's us or Ohio State in that Big Ten championship game, it should be it should be a, another route in favor of the Big Ten East team, and uh, you know it just sort of is what it is. It's not, I don't think it's good for the Big Ten. I think it'd be nice to have some powers in the West, and uh, but we just don't right now. Yep, and now we're still waiting on the Big Ten to talk about what happened in the tunnel with the Michigan-Michigan State game. The police report has gone to the prosecutor. We heard from a very good source that it's any minute now. We keep hearing that we're going to be hearing from the Big Ten. Number one, it's ridiculous, as John Bacon wrote in his outstanding column today, that we haven't heard anything yet other than we are aware of an incident, which happened, you know, they put that out there about an hour (laughs) afterwards. Now, you probably didn't read this today, Skeen, but there was – in. Bacon's report, uh, somebody from the sidelines on, on one on the crew and one of the officials, and uh, it was a couple of different people that wrote letters saying that they were some of the MSU staffers allegedly were yelling, break his bleeping arm when J.J. McCarthy was running. Uh, and another one said, take that midget's knee out when Blake Corum was running the ball, uh, an MSU staffer. This is allegedly. This, this is, is coming from the sideline during the game. Exactly. From somebody who actually worked the crew and wrote a letter to the big 10 and John Bacon confirmed it with this person who's been doing it for 33 years. Somebody I know pretty well, as a matter of fact, went to a different school for those thinking, Hey, this is, you know, Michigan slappy, so on and so forth. Your thoughts on that and how this is really, that's just another step towards a bad, I mean, there's, there's certainly trash talk within the course of any game, but uh, 
certainly to me that crosses a line. Well, it, it clearly it does, right? And uh, we talked about this the week of the Michigan Michigan State game and and what happened afterwards. It's it's different for me to talk about it now as a middle aged guy that's been removed from the game of football for a long time. But if I take myself back into the the early twenties. When you're playing in that game, which is a very, very emotional game where you want to literally rip people's limbs off and beat them with it, um, I understand it. But it doesn't mean it, – it, it's just Bush League, right? It's, it's Bush League whether it's both ways. And, and you shouldn't play the game that way. You shouldn't coach your guys that way. But Ballas, you and I talked about it. In the game, you know, in the game that I played, I and mean, we had guys diving at our knees, so we didn't hear it from the sideline or anybody out there vocalizing, hey, let's go, you know, take somebody's leg out. Um, but that kind of that kind of stuff has happened. It's not new. I think the only thing that's different and it's new is that you're hearing people say it out loud. But that stuff has physically been going on a long, long time. Yeah. And it's like people said, I read John's blog and I did, too. We didn't do anything with it. Uh, I didn't think it was our place to do anything with it because there's already so much vitriol out there. You know, you have people in your DMs and everything. You know what? You suck. I hate you. Everything else. And it was crazy. It, it was not. It was it was crazy. And now John Bacon writes this and John Bacon, everybody respects John. So if you do read the Bacon Report and I will send you a copy of it, uh, it makes you wonder even more what they are waiting for. The Big Ten. And, uh, and again, we did hear from very good sources yesterday on the sideline that Michigan is expecting the Big Ten to come down here in the next couple of days at the very latest with uh, some kind of a response. So, uh, and I couldn't agree with you more blank name right it, it is it is cowardly yeah. and coming from and coming from staff as alleged is yeah. really just despicable well so so, so you know, after the Michigan uh, Michigan State football game ballast and the stuff that had, that went on afterwards and stuff that went on the field. There are two guys that can fix this and it's going to take two guys more than two, but there's two that need to fix this. Uh, Mel Tucker and Jim Harbaugh. They need to lower the rhetoric and uh, issue an ounce of respect for your opponent. And, uh, and you just let your team and do the best you can to get your team ready to go beat the crap out of them. When you get a chance to play them in between the white lines, it's far more gratifying uh, to beat someone within the rules and beat the crap out of them within the rules, just like I talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Hey, newsflash, we're going to run 47G right here, Mr. Linebacker, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you just, again, Ballas, you demoralize people, you embarrass them in front of their girlfriends and their parents. What more can you do to someone? Right. Unless you want to cross this line and do some criminal activity where you're intentionally going to hurt somebody. But then, you know, let's say you do. Let's say you crack somebody's knee and you end their season. Are you happy about that? Because if you are, you're some sort of special size loser at that point. That's just not something that anybody should aspire to do or stand on the sideline and yell for someone else to do. You have to be, like I just said, you got to be a, a, a first class loser to kind of do that kind of thing. And it just, I, I hate to hear it. It bothers me because, as Lloyd Carr famously said, the game deserves better. It does. And uh, what else you can do is you can uh, you can teabag. And if you're going to do that, you should probably manscape first. And real quick, the performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker. So to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear, this nose and ears hair trimmer uses a 9000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system to provide proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate holes. Uh, it really does work. And can't forget the manscapes liquid, liquid formate formulations either. They're like pumpkin 
pumpkin pie and ice cream after Thanksgiving dinner. So 20 go blue at manscaped.com. Uh, don't forget about it. Skeen will get you with some more of that as well. Uh, these guys do a great job. So please support our sponsors, everybody. And, uh, and again, thank you for joining us on a Sunday night. I know that some of those NFL games are going in the, uh, the, Interaction's been outstanding, guys and gals. We appreciate you. So join us next week. We got uh, two more weeks skiing mm. for the big one. I can't even believe it. Less than two weeks uh, until we are in Columbus. Fallis, and- I just said I was, it was just uh, I was just telling my wife I was like, "There's only two weeks left." It's crazy. Regular. Where where did fall go? What happened? I know. It was, it's, I don't- it's like it's like we we just weren't we playing Colorado State just a couple weeks ago. Yes, yes, it seems like it, and it's it blows my mind. And every year it goes faster as you get older, kids. It does. So uh, just ask Doug Skeen. So Sam, go blue. Uh, yeah, appreciate go blue, you, Sam. And um, really, everybody appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next week. All right, go blue. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.